Hello there. Welcome back to Redline in episode two, where Pia meets dashing, troublemaking Rod Tucker, and the two are instantly smitten. The next Redline train to Jailwood is now arriving. On Sunday morning, the day before school started, I headed out to find picture hooks for my artwork. I no sooner crossed the street than I needed a bathroom, so instead of turning around and going back home, I dipped into Starbucks. As I wove through Sunday crowd, a tall, well-built young man with dark ginger hair picked up his grande drink from the counter and turned right into me. We both jumped back to avoid a collision. Excuse me, we chorused at once and then laughed. (laughs) He was good-looking, with nice lips and handsome laugh lines in his cheeks, but his eyes were hooded so I couldn't see their expression. Watch where you going, he said facetiously in the famous Boston accent, adding with a little sneer, asshole. Then he laughed. (laughs) Just kidding, of course. You from around here? Yep, like right across the street. I meant Boston. No, I'm from Baltimore. Oh, a Marylander. Far from home, but you must know about our accent. I nodded. (laughs) And the asshole part, too and Masshole, and Taxachusetts. I went to college here. Mass art. Good. Then I didn't offend you. I'm Rod, by the way. Rod Tucker. I live about a mile from here, but I, uh, haven't seen you before. That's because I'm new. I came for a job, and so far I've been going to Bobolis. Oh, you've got good taste. Bobolis my favorite, too. But I had an irrepressible urge for an iced caramel macchiato. What did you order? I didn't. I I came in for the ladies' room. Oh, oh, okay. Didn't mean to hold you up. He stepped aside, waving his drink to let me pass. Thanks, Rod. I grinned and rolled my eyes flirtatiously at him. When I came outside a few minutes later, he was straddling his substantial motorcycle, and his thighs and jeans instantly drew me. He wore his helmet with the visor up and sucked his drink through a green straw. Hey, How's the drink? Pretty good. I'm starting to feel the caffeine in my veins. Hey, I had an idea. Why don't you hop on and I'll show you your new hood? It's Sunday, after all, and beautiful out. I stood stock still with a stupid smile on my face. I didn't know if he was serious, and if he was, whether I should accept or say no. If I said no, he'd be gone forever. And God, I wanted to see him. His body was a magnet for me. Don't worry, it's perfectly safe. He reached back with his free hand to open the storage compartment from the spare helmet. He let his stretch linger longer than was necessary, just to give me ample time to see his long, taut torso. His navel showed just above his jeans, surrounded by the gingery hair fuzz that was similar to the tops of his hands. Okay, I said, stepping up to the cycle. What an easy catch I was. His smug smile told me the same thing. What's your name, anyway? Pia? Hmm, that's kind of cute. Pia. Sweet pea, Pia. Then his voice switched to a neutral tone. Just throw that long leg of yours over the saddle and don't worry. I'm not going to put moves on you. This is the way you ride motorcycles. Free hugging. And I'm not going to lie and say I don't like free hugging, but I'm not a lech either. Have you ever ridden a motorcycle before? Yeah, in 10th grade. I was holding him now between my legs and tingling all over. Whose? 
His profile and helmet and visor answered me. My boyfriend's. Who was that? Hamilton? Hmm. Did you sleep with him? Uh, <laughs> uh not quite. You mean everything but. Those were the good old virgin days. I was a virgin pretty late. Senior year. What about you? Uh, um, uh, junior year. Uh, are, are we really having this conversation? So does Hamilton live around here? No, he lives in London. He works at the World Bank. Oh, so you two stay in touch. Not really. He's on Facebook. Glad I didn't get stuck with a name like that. He's a descendant of Hamilton. You mean the real Hamilton, as in Aaron Burr killed Alexander Hamilton? Yep. I thought Hamilton was gay. No! <laughs> or, I mean, I don't think so. Oh, I'm not gay. Raj shoved his foot down hard on the starter pedal. He read the engines a few times to assert its and his masculinity. Then his profile grinned at me again, and I sucked in my breath at those kissable lips with the dent just above them and the sexy laugh lines. Ready, girl? What about your drink? You mean I can't drive one-handed? I'm sure you're a pro, but you've got a passenger and... Okay, if you insist. He took off the top, finished the drink in big gulps, and then put the empty cup on the ground. You, you can't litter like that. Who says I can't? We roared off so that I had to clutch his sides, his thin t-shirt letting me feel the solid material underneath his body. The tips of my fingers dug in with a longing to explore. His right hand curled over mine in a reassuring caress. Don't be afraid, Pia, he said sideways over the motor's din. And the closeness of his masculine voice sent ripples of pleasure through me. I held on tight. The first week of school was full of excitement for everyone. New people, new classes, new opportunities, new identities. And the weather was fantastic, which was unusual for New England, and fed the exuberance. All that week, I took my lunches to the quad and people watched from behind my sunglasses. Students milling about chatting and laughing while others sat on rocks or benches to read or write. The quad was our nucleus, and because most of the buildings faced it, it was easy to see who and what was about. On Friday, Wafa Jandran came out of the admin building at lunchtime while I sat under the maple tree. I had noticed her from day one of our teacher prep, not only for her beauty, but also her lively personality. She was the school's new arts festival coordinator and talked vociferously to everyone, her laugh ringing out. She posted information on our shared drive and sent us emails about art events in town and fundraisers for humanitarian causes. Her job was to raise money for and organize the school's annual spring arts fest, where students, teachers, and the local artists sold their work. The school also put on continuous performances in the auditorium. It was a mini Spoleto and known throughout Greater Boston as an exciting annual event. Wafa waved to me, and I smiled and waved back. As she came across the quad to me, I drank in her Mughal princess beauty. She was like the feminine, graceful women in miniature Indian paintings. She wore her glossy black hair braided down the back, out of the way, and this brought her sculpted face to the fore and emphasized her heavily lashed eyes in their bright ebony centers. Her eyebrows arched above these sparkling jewels like inky accents, Kufic calligraphy. Already I was painting her portrait in my mind and wondering how I would handle the beautiful skin, a bronze that showed many shades depending how light hit it. I knew she was 37, but she could have been in her 20s. 
Her husband was a music professor at Harvard, and they had two children, a boy and a girl, in elementary school. In the teacher's room, Wafa talked freely of her life and her past and was everyone's best friend. Pia, what's up? I'm so sorry I've been busy this week. Every day I meant to come by and have a good chat with you. Don't worry, it's only the first week. No kidding, and what a week. Why don't you sit down for a minute? Would you like an apple? I held up my rosy Macintosh. That is so sweet of you, but I'm on the run. I have another conference call in a few minutes, but I wanted to grab a sandwich from the cafeteria. Let's have coffee next week, or lunch here on the grass if it's still warm out. I want to hear your plans and how the two of us can collaborate for the Arts Fest. And another thing, I was thinking how you're new to Boston, and if you don't already have a gallery representing you, I could introduce you to a few of my friends. Awesome, that, that would be great, Wafa. Just what I need. At that moment, we both saw Lori come out of the admin building and scan the quad with her myopic eyes. I figured she had already spotted us from her window, because I felt the vibe immediately, that we were her target, as if she didn't want us talking without her in on the discussion. Indeed, she crossed the quad straight for us. Hello, ladies. How are things going? Her smile had been sewed in place. We smiled back, but not exactly welcomingly. Well, my office is under siege. Problems everywhere, from new students and teachers to plumbers and vendors. The ninth grade math books didn't arrive, and no one told me about it. I've been getting home every night at nine. Luckily, Ambrose works from home and can handle Taylor's first week. She got into Shady Hill, and even though a lot of her preschool friends also got in, she's pretty stressed out with the change. Did I mention she's in kindergarten? It's a rite of passage. She actually tested much higher than kindergarten, but no one skips grades anymore. She's a bookworm, which is a big help to me at home because she entertains herself. Wafa, I wonder if you got my email. I'm sure I did, but I haven't been back to my desk since mid-morning. Don't you check your emails on your phone? That's what I do. You don't fall behind that way. I actually don't feel like I've fallen behind. And I've had one meeting after another since eight, including with Dale. And naturally, I wouldn't check my phone while talking to Dale. Why not? Everyone does. The New York Times says it's now professional etiquette. I think that article you're referring to said it's still done on a case-by-case basis. You could use your landline for the call and have your cell available for mail. That's what I do. When do you expect to hear back from them? Did they give a pledge? First, I need to follow up with a letter in Prescott, and then... Wafa paused, probably to avoid snapping back. Then she said, This is my first week of school. I inherited the past 60 years of Rolodexes and files, which I'm making my way through. But I also have a ton of new ideas. And my predecessors, heroes, in their day, didn't use social media or any current marketing techniques. I'm taking our program to the next level of interface, and I think, Lori... The school can trust my process to create the best festival this campus has ever seen. All I need is space and trust to do my work. Touché, I said in silent admiration. We all knew Wafa had a PhD in communications and had organized nonprofit fundraisers in Boston. She dealt in tens of millions. I guess that sounds reasonable. Would three weeks be enough time to come up with your overall strategy for me to review? I think it should be available before open house in October. I think we can take this conversation offline, Wafa answered. Fine. 
I have a few minutes after school if you do. Actually, it's Friday, and I have to get home for my kids today as the au pair leaves early. Oh, fortunately I have Ambrose to do most of the school and parent stuff for Taylor. Kindergarten's such a traumatic transition, even if she's reading third grade books. Kids need attention, no question about it. We had considered hiring an MIT PhD for the computer slot, a woman, but she has young kids, three of them, and I wondered what that would mean for our school. Wafa glared at Lori and then looked at her watch again. I have to run. Don't forget to send me an invitation to meet. Lori called after her, her cemented grin in place. It made me wonder if she had learned that smile from a how-to book, how to appear friendly when inside negativity was eating you up. Yes, Lori, I'll set that up this afternoon, as soon as I have a free minute, Wafa said. But I knew she wouldn't send the calendar invite, just to prove her professional independence. Lori now stood over me on the grass with her inane smile. I got up, knowing it was my turn to be her victim. Is everything going smoothly for you, Pia? Oh, yes, it's been an outstanding week. Oh, how so? In what way? Her eyes peered at me through her thick glasses, as if we needed to discuss a problem I had caused the school but wasn't yet aware of. Oh, just the usual. Meeting the students, getting to know each other. She nodded slowly, still smiling, but obviously turning over this problematic answer. Yes, getting to know each other is a good thing. You want to gain the students' trust, but behind all that is the curriculum. I kept my own smile plastered on to match hers as I faced her, a full head taller and glad for it. Of course, I love the curriculum, and the students and I have talked it over at length, even added to it and added to it. What do you mean by that? Ideas. Some of the students had excellent suggestions for enriching, like what ideas? My heart began to beat faster. She was sending vibes that I had done something terribly wrong. My neck felt the tightening of a noose. I stood in Lori's courtroom, and I didn't know which way to answer because no matter how I answered, it would be wrong. My voice trembled a bit. Well, um, consideration of the environment and how our generation has to uh, change the way we live if we want the planet to survive as it is. Hmm. Very interesting and important, but don't you think that's better for one of Betsy's science classes? Oh, it's great for art, too. And as educators, we've been doing cross-curricular projects for years. They deepen learning. And Betsy's totally on board for the science part. It's part of our plan for the open house displays. Lori stared at me through her glasses that turned her eyes into strange sea glass bulbs. Her smile had vanished, and her face at rest had become its slab dough. Do you think I should be involved in your curriculum changes? Oh, but these aren't changes. Everything's fine. My MFA includes a teaching degree, and Ho's in total agreement. All the teachers are. Lori nodded slowly, deliberately, to show she wasn't satisfied with my answer. Well, keep me in the loop, Pia. I nodded with a false smile. Oh, there's May. I need to talk to her. Her father's coming to open house. He's our biggest potential donor after the Saudis and the Emirates. See you later, Pia. Lori hurried across the quad to May, who was a beautiful teenager, with a particular flair for dress. Each day she wore a new and unusual outfit that she had put together herself. I wondered if her future lay in fashion design. I made a note to look into the small studio's library for books on fashion. Knowing she had lost her mother made me want to be close to her, like an older sister, but so far she had been shy in our drawing class. I watched as Lori blabbed away to May as if wooing her. 
They stood in front of the school's soaring orange sculpture by Calder that the class of 1935 had purchased in the early 60s because one of the classmates was a friend of Sandy Calder. Feeling disenchanted by Lori, I headed back to my domain. Classes were done for the day, but students came by to work on their projects. They were free to use the studio if one of us was there, and Ho rarely left his studio in the basement. Rod was picking me up after school, and I had plenty of time to work on a portrait of my father. It was coming along, but I found it hard to finish. I loved looking at my dad's handsome Sicilian face with warm brown eyes and the hint of a wry smile. But I was afraid of ruining what I had first captured. I guess this will just be a hard portrait for me. I'll just have to apply my rote learning. Thank you for listening to episode two of Redline. Redline is written by G.D. Spilsbury and narrated by Anna Gravel, directed and produced by Fred Greenhalge, with assistant producer Grace Waldron. Redline is dedicated to Jim Cantor and Brooke Lambert. If you've enjoyed this Redline story, please tell your friends about us and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Leaving reviews allows us to get more listeners, like yourself, so we can keep bringing you good stories. Learn more about Redline at redlinepodcast.com. That's redlinepodcast.com. Redline.